0: Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. Today, we will be talking about arguably the most talked about memoir of 2022, I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. So this is some pretty heavy material we're going to be talking about. So I think we should reflect on our own addiction to caffeine (laughs) before we dive in. That was a tasteless joke, Heather. What are you drinking?
1: (laughs) I have my iced white chocolate mocha from Starbucks, decaffeinated.
0: Love it. With my love it.
1: Yep, got it with my decaf because it's the evening, and I already had my coffee this morning, so I have to go with that.
0: (laughs) It's because it's a venti, as usual.
1: Oh, of course it is. Always, of course. Grandes are for wusses. It takes I me all day I, to drink it, but whatever, I drink it.
0: <laughs> I mean, do people even order talls? I don't think so. I've never seen it.
1: I still don't understand. I remember the first time I ordered a tall, and I didn't realize it was the smallest one, and I was like, "Why is it so?" Well, tiny? it's
0: just all ice. There's like three sips of coffee in there.
1: Yeah, but I didn't realize that a tall was like a small. I don't get. I don't know yeah. how Starbucks sizes work. But whatever. I don't either. Is, what is, is that
0: movie? Role models when Paul Rudd starts going off about the sizes. Did you oh, see that movie?
1: Yes, but I don't remember. But I, I did, I did love that movie. That was a good movie. I
0: remember everything that Paul Rudd has you done. You
1: do.
0: Um. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. I am drinking a Carmelo Nespresso pod. They can never just call it caramel. They have no. to call it Carmelo. But I have it with my vanilla caramel creamer. Mm. it's actually pretty delicious
1: nice they actually make like a carmelo candy bar have you ever seen that no i remember what is it i i don't know but my mom used to like them that's how i Hmm. know that they exist and i've seen them in like a wawa or like a store sometimes i think Hmm. it's like it might be a cadbury brand cadbury chocolate
0: oh okay it's freaking I mean, bell
1: my assumption is that it's a chocolate bar with caramel in it gonna go that that's probably what i it mean is.
0: if it's not a reese's take five i don't want it so
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and you and your reese's peanut butter cups i know
1: well i have a new favorite reese's and i can only find it at wawa it's Reese's Outrageous, so instead of Nutrageous, it's the Outrageous, and it has the Reese's Pieces in it instead of the peanuts, and I'm obsessed okay. with it. Okay. It's so good. This is
0: Eric's favorite It's, it's so bar good. also, oh and God. he has such a hard time finding it. You can't find it. Wawa and Quick Check are the only ones that have it. The one by Christmas. our house okay. does. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. his obsession also. That's yeah. very funny.
1: I like Reese's Pieces huh. in with my Reese's.
0: I mean... The more, the better. I get it. I like pretzels in with my Reese's in with my, you know what I mean? I just.
1: If you have a Reese's product, I'm going to eat it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and if it's in the, if it's a holiday shape. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, it's game over. We
1: just got over the eggs. The next, I think, will be the pumpkin. What's next? I think pumpkins. Or footballs, because now they do football. Oh, they have footballs. Fo- when when the NFL season starts, they'll start doing footballs. Yes.
0: I think footballs are probably next. Okay. Because they're like recycling the eggs and just adding lines on Probably them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now that we want anyway, to uh... our tangent. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. So Jeanette McCurdy. We're gonna find out a lot more about her. But the simple facts are she's a former actress who now focuses on writing and directing. She grew up in California with her three brothers, her mom, dad, and grandparents in a Mormon household where all the kids were homeschooled, and she wrote her own memoir regarding her experiences growing up there. So it was published in August 2022, immediate New York Times bestseller. It won the Goodreads Award for Best Memoir in 2022. And originally, Jeanette was performing a one woman show. It's not a comedy, not like a stand up thing, but it's basically just her telling the story that ends up in the book. And so she was doing that in LA and New York. And then once COVID hit, she wasn't able to schedule those shows anymore. So her manager encouraged her to write all of that into a book. And that's how the book came to fruition. And she always had a passion for writing, but she was never able to explore it when she was younger because she was not supported. So obviously the title for the book is part of the reason that it was so popular so quickly because it's such an eye-catching title, you know, Um, but it's been met with mixed reviews. So Jeanette maintains that it encapsulates both the dark humor and the acknowledgement of being able to deal with the abuse that she suffered only after her mother is gone. She also says that anyone who doesn't understand the title isn't really going to understand the book, so the book probably isn't for them. Yeah. Which I agree with.
1: I agree with that too.
0: And also super significant is the cover. So she says there are a bunch of different versions before they finally landed on this version, which if you haven't seen it, it's Jeanette holding a pink urn. And it's filled with pink confetti. And she's kind of like grimace smiling up into the distance. So in an Entertainment Weekly article, she's quoted as saying, Confetti spilling out of an urn felt to me like a good way of capturing the humor in the tragedy. But I knew I didn't want to go as far as throwing the confetti or jumping in the air with a huge smile on my face. Or doing any other kind of body language that could read as flippant. Ultimately, I chose a facial expression that I think reads as sincere, a little pained, and a little hopeful.
1: I think that's pretty spot on.
0: Yeah, and it's also like such, such a random choice—an urn with confetti. But then once she explains it like that, it's like, yeah. Well, it's it kind of nice makes sense too,
1: because even the book itself is just very eye-catching because it's mm-hmm. a bright yellow, bright yellow, yellow. bright mm-hmm. pinks and. It's it's a really it's actually ironically a very pretty cover for a very harrowing book.
0: (laughs) It really is. Like you do not know what you are getting into if you don't know about her, which I I I didn't.
1: didn't. No, I was not expecting ninety five percent of what I read.
0: One hundred percent, and the only reason I was expecting the five percent is because there was so much buzz about it. I hadn't really like listened to any interviews or read any articles or anything but i you know just like in Uh passing heard some of the stuff but no i was not prepared yeah no all right so she recently closed a deal to write her debut fiction novel which is going to be released in 2024 and she's also been honored as part of the 2022 Time 100 Next List, which is a compilation of emerging leaders from around the world who are shaping the future and defining the next generation of leadership.
1: That's fun.
0: Yeah. So she's really committing to the writing thing, which is cool that she has a fiction novel coming out.
1: Yeah, I knew I, I knew that that was coming because... I had listened to the Glennon Doyle podcast that she was on a few, like last mm-hmm. month or either, it was either February or March. And she had talked about that she was stopped once because she had stopped acting that she just wanted to strictly write. And she was going to okay. be writing a fiction novel.
0: I love that. And I think I'm it's going to be
1: like young adult. I think.
0: Okay. okay. I could, Yeah. There um, wasn't too much information but on I it. I
1: think it's supposed to be a young adult novel.
0: Okay. Hmm. Okay. All right. So let's get into the book. I'm not going to read the full book summary because we're going to get into all the things that it touches on, but here's the condensed version. A heartbreaking and hilarious memoir by iCarly and Salmon Cat star, Jeanette McCurdy, about her struggles as a former child actor, including eating disorders, addiction, and a complicated relationship with her overbearing mother and how she retook control of her life. Told with refreshing candor and dark humor, I'm Glad My Mom Died is an inspiring story of resilience, independence, and the joy of shampooing your own hair. (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. All right, so trigger warning.
1: It's a long list.
0: Eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, abuse of all kinds, mental, emotional, physical, sexual, OCD alcoholism, pretty much anything you can think of, we're going to talk about it. So More or less. if that's going to trigger you, please keep that in mind. And we will try our best to talk about it delicately, but some of it is going to be inevitable. All right. So the structure of the book is a prologue, and then the book is split into before and after, after that prologue. So the prologue is Basically, the family sitting around Jeanette's mom, who's in a coma, and they're all trying to say something to shock her into waking up. So some like shocking news or some confession that will snap her out of it. And one of the brothers says, Oh, you know, I'm getting married. Another brother says, Oh, I'm gonna move back home. Nothing. And Jeanette waits for last and she says that her news is is gonna do the trick. She says, Mommy. I'm finally 89 pounds. And since this is just the prologue, you really don't know if this is serious or if this is meant to be funny.
1: And you also don't know how old she is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have no idea the context. And going into it, knowing that it is kind of a dark comedy, my initial thought was that she was joking. And then that's it. And then it just rewinds, and now we're back in the before. So Jeanette's mom was diagnosed with cancer and beat cancer when Jeanette was only two years old. So she went through the whole thing, all the surgeries, uh, mastectomy, chemo, all of it. But they're constantly worried that the cancer is going to return. And her mom, Deborah, uses this fear and hangs it over the family's head. She plays a video every single week That shows her during her treatment where she's super sick looking and basically uses it to say, like, be thankful that I'm here because this is what could happen again. And it's almost a threat, but she frames it as, look how lucky we are.
1: And in that moment, you immediately realize how toxic this woman is.
0: And that is only the beginning.
1: Like, she's literally triggering her children every week into showing them... A video of her basically almost dying Mm -hmm. it's just it's mind-blowing that she would that she as a human would even want to relive her cancerous days in general but now Mm -hmm. you're gonna make your family relive it every sunday
0: Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. why and jeanette is only two years old so she doesn't understand what's Uh going on and her mom makes it seem like Like makes her feel guilty about it. Like she's a two-year-old and she's like, you're not taking this seriously. Like mommy could die at any second.
1: Because she was like singing like jingle bells or whatever she said. Like she's running around the house singing jingle bells because she's two years old. And And has no idea what's going on. The concept of anything. And the fact that her mom gets upset with her over that is extremely red flag behavior.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. It definitely is. So – Her mom has some serious mental health issues. She's a hoarder, which they barely talk about. They just keep glazing over the fact that she's a severe hoarder. Mm -hmm. The kids can't even sleep in their own beds. They sleep on gymnastic mats in the middle of the living room. She's abusive to her husband in front of the kids, verbally, most of all. But she also threatens him with a knife, kicks him out of the house regularly. Tells him how worthless he is, tells him how he can't provide for his family, how he's cheating on her. I mean, she has these episodes which resemble bipolar behavior, and she's just extremely volatile, and everyone just goes with it.
1: I know, and it's it's crazy because – so it's the parents, the four kids, and then her parents all living in this house, and – you can't really grasp obviously there's no pictures to show like the size of the house but it's clearly not very large yeah because the kids what was supposed to be the kids room now becomes like a room for the grandparents but then at one point the grandparents are displaced and they're put out in like the living room it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm sure it also has to do with her hoarding mm-hmm. issues that she's probably filling up these rooms with with trash but mm-hmm these kids and these grown adults are just kind of scattered all over this house.
0: Mm -hmm. And they just let her keep doing it. Like they don't say, Oh, I need my bed. Like they're just like, okay, I guess now we're moving into the living room. So from a young age, Jeanette takes on all that anxiety and all that stress that's pent up in the household. She feels responsible for calming her mom down when she's having one of her fits and her mom puts that on her as well. She calls Jeanette her best friend from when she's very young, like four, up until her death. She says, we're best friends. And Jeanette is like, yes, we're best friends.
1: And I think that that's valid. You're definitely, I think especially when you're a mother and you have a daughter, you definitely feel like they're going to be like your best friend. But she takes it to like a creepy level. Yeah, (laughs) this is like... obsessive Toxic level. level. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. not... I'm not saying you know it's I'm close with my mom I would consider her a best friend but not to the point where that Jeanette's mom is taking it
0: mm-hmm. and she doesn't have any adult friends no. she doesn't have any friends her own age so if your only friend is your daughter and it's not like some Gilmore Girls situation which like yes we all think like that's ideal like young mom who you know Had her daughter super young. They're close in age. They're best friends. That's the vibe. But they each have their own lives. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Jeanette's mom does not have her own life.
1: No. Her life more or less revolves around Jeanette.
0: So she plays favorites with Jeanette. She gives her the most attention. And they're bonded in a way that everything one does affects the other one so intensely. So... In one instance where her mom is reassuring her, Jeanette says, quote, I believe her. I always believe her. My body language shifts immediately. Mom has a way of doing that to me. Just as she can set my body on edge and make me rigid with fear or anxiety, she can also calm me down. She has that kind of power. And that's just such a, like, they're connected. Yeah. They're connected in this way. Mm-hmm. And it's- Because of her mom's mental issues, that connection is not a good thing. So the rest of the family, the grandma seems as Looney Tunes as the mom. I mean, she's she's got her own issues. Yeah, she's manic. She's complaining all the time. She's woe is me. Just we don't really hear much about her besides her being a lunatic. And you don't hear much about the brothers at all. No, she doesn't talk about them very much. And I understand that this book is, you know, about her relationship with her mother. But really, all you know, is that Jeanette is the favorite and the one that's focused on. So I would love to hear the brothers perspective, I would love to hear if they felt the same type of stress and anxiety in their household and how they felt about being, you know, neglected, basically, because Jeanette and Jeanette's career were the only thing that mattered once she started acting.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because they definitely, obviously, I'm sure, have their own traumatic memories from growing up in that household.
0: Right. How could you not? So the grandpa is the only one who kind of acknowledges, like, hey, maybe a kid should be able to be a kid, not support her whole family financially. Yeah. Some of these behaviors that she's exhibiting are not normal. Everyone just kind of ignores them. They're like, okay, grandpa, whatever. That's just the way it is. And then the relationship with Jeanette's dad is so complex, but also, I mean, she brings it up a lot, but she doesn't really dive into it. They basically have a non-existent relationship because the mom is just so controlling of him. She constantly puts him down. She constantly demeans him. And Jeanette just accepts that dynamic and basically agrees with anything that the mom says because yeah. she's five and doesn't know any better.
1: Exactly. And and the dad is profoundly absent because he's mm-hmm. also working like, Three jobs to try to support mm-hmm. the family,
0: mm-hmm. and they and still then, don't have money. And she's no, kicking was, him out left I was and right. Just
1: say, and then when he's home, it seems that J- Jeanette's mom can't stand him, so she's just mm-hmm. constantly kicking him out or causing a ruckus.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is, I I would be interested to hear his side also. <laughs> There's a lot of sides to this.
1: I mean, but, I yeah, she's definitely opening up a can of worms into her family. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think that he could have had any real impact on all of the things that happened if he was more involved?
1: No, because I think that Jeanette's mom was, she just exhibits these controlling behaviors and you see it just worsen as Jeanette gets older.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think even if he tried, she would have taken whatever means necessary to get him out of the way so that she could have her you know clear path to this relationship with Jeanette
1: I agree and then also when you learn towards the end of the book about her true relationship with her dad I think that he also didn't care as much for those reasons. yeah
0: that's what kind of that's what makes me wonder why he stayed
1: yeah which in a way which we'll we'll talk about talk about it it almost makes you look at him in a
0: new light yeah I was thinking that too And I, I mean, I, I obviously feel bad for everyone in this situation. He was abused by her also. Like he was in a domestic abuse relationship. Yeah. Abused by this woman. Yeah. Okay. So mom wanted to be an actress, but her parents wouldn't let her. So she decides Jeanette is going to live her dream instead. And she gets Jeanette all excited about the idea. Don't you want to be mommy's little actress? And Jeanette's like anything mommy wants. Yes. Mm hmm. So she becomes obsessed with Jeanette's beauty. She dyes her hair. She whitens her teeth. She tints her lashes from a very young age. And it's clear that Jeanette will go along with anything to keep her mama peas, to make her happy. She doesn't want to act. She feels uncomfortable. She feels pressure from it because she doesn't know what she's doing like she's just going off of her mom telling her what to do for these castings and these readings and this very very young like six years old kind of starts her mixed feelings about acting and there's a quote I want to read about so after a successful audition Jeanette leaves the room with the casting directors and says mom's sitting at the end of the hallway tears are welled in her eyes she's so happy and in this moment so am I Yes, it's nice to make mom feel good, but it's also nice to feel good at something. Even if that thing makes you very uncomfortable at times, even if that thing puts a lot of pressure on you, even if that thing is very stressful, sometimes it's just nice to feel good at something. And that's how a child should feel that they're able to be good at something. Isn't this like when you're a kid, you play 20 different instruments, you you take a Musical theater camp. You do all these different things to figure out. Oh, you do sports. Sorry, I didn't do sports, but kids do sports to figure out what you like, what you're good at. But she doesn't yeah. have that option. No, she's, she's kind of one forced, option. She
1: is forced into doing this one thing, and and that's it. She can't do anything mm-hmm. else because she even like tries to, like write her own like book or like movie, and her mom is very dismissive. Literally, in the future. So it's just like no, definitely her mom is one tracked mind. You are gonna be mommy's little actress and mm-hmm. you have no other choices sorry
0: yeah and jeanette doesn't realize that that's not normal she just no. thinks like oh this is the thing i'm gonna do and okay i was able to get good at it by yeah. observing and stuff like that
1: because it's your mom and your mom is the one that's guiding you and your mom is I'm supposed, supposed to be, to be one... protecting you exactly your mom is supposed to be the one that makes the best choices for you or at least tries to and so more or less is what mommy says is what goes and Jeanette Mm -hmm. just kind of like accepted that and she has no other reference point she Mm -hmm. has no friends to see how they are with their moms so she Mm -hmm. just she's very sheltered she doesn't know
0: and she she sees that as a skill like She's better than her brothers, and the reason that she has such a good relationship – not better than her brothers, but the reason she has such a good relationship with her mom is because she's able to – she's the only one who can understand her mom. Yeah. And that becomes, like, a skill that she has to develop. So she says, no one else in the family seems to understand mom's emotions. Everyone walks around clueless, never knowing which mom they're going to get, but I always know. I've spent my whole life studying her so that I can always know because I always want want to do what I can in any given moment to keep mom happy.
1: It's not that's the child's normal. job to be the fucking parent.
0: It is not, not the child's, child's job. job.
1: And truthfully, just hearing that, thinking about it, that's, that's triggering. That's got to be triggering for so many people because mm-hmm. – there's so many times that children are kind of put into a parental role or they have to try Mm -hmm. to fix their parent. And that's not normal. You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to do that. It's not a child's
0: job. Parents aren't perfect, obviously. Like they're going to have their moments and they're going to have fuck ups. But like, it's not the child's entire existence. Their purpose isn't to figure out how to keep you happy. Like you're a grown ass adult. You should yes. have figured that shit out before you had kids, first of all. Yeah. And, like, I mean, it's it's the classic case of you are not – your mental health issues are not your fault, but they are your fucking responsibility. Yeah. And it is your responsibility to get help when you have those issues. Yeah. So Jeanette develops OCD. She thinks it's the Holy Ghost talking to her. I love Because – I I love it, too. I love it because she hears uh, her grandpa make, like, an offhanded comment, like, I think Jeanette has OCD. I think maybe she should go to a doctor, which is weird because, like, he's, you know, obviously an older man. He's a grandpa. And, like, it's crazy that he would suggest, "Oh, well, maybe she should go to a doctor for this. You know, like, this grandpa is woke. Like, he knows what's going on. But anyway, so she asks the Holy Ghost, like, Holy Ghost, is it really you or is it my OCD? <laughs> and the the small voice answers back of course it's the holy ghost and she's like okay that settles that yeah wouldn't they wouldn't lie to me but that's all part of the mormon religion that they are raised in because in the mormon church when you're baptized you're supposed to start hearing the holy ghost talk to you so she's so excited that the holy ghost is finally talking to her and really it's just this OCD telling her to do these rituals, telling her, you know, stand up, cross your name out, go to the bathroom, spin around three times, like these little rituals that she has to do to try and curb her anxiety. And it's a manifestation of how anxious and on edge she is all the time, all the time.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And she's eight years old. She's a little girl. Okay. So now now we're going to get into the heavy stuff because Jeanette is 11 and you know what happens when you're 11 Jeanette starts to go through puberty yeah, and this is when she learns about calorie restricting from her mother and she is so happy because it's another way for her and her mom to bond and for her to make her proud. And it also makes Jeanette feel like she doesn't have to grow up because if she can stop her body from developing you know, she can make herself look younger. She never has to grow up. And then, you know, her mom doesn't want her to grow up. It's there's no negatives that she can see as an 11 year old.
1: I know. And it's just so upsetting to read because Jeanette's, you know, going through puberty. So she's starting to grow boobs. And it petrifies her. Because, Mm -hmm. again, she's thinking about her mom's needs and her mom's wants and she knows that in order to be a successful child star she needs to look like a child you can't get a child acting part if you have boobs so instead of this pivotal time in a young girl's life that should be celebrated or talked about discussed in depth with your mother about what this Mm -hmm. means to grow up instead her mom is like oh you don't want boobs okay then stop eating. That'll fix that. That's that's the answer. Her mom is just taking this situation and clearly handles it completely wrong. I mean, there's no... Absolutely. There's no no other way to describe that, but it's just... It's disheartening. It's Mm -hmm. just disheartening the way that she grew up.
0: And also, I know we talked about it a little bit in our cultish episode, but this is the generational harm that is being done. This these are mothers who have been told by society that you have to be pretty and you have to be thin to actually mean something yeah. and then they pass on that fucked up thinking to their children and she has a mother who's passing that on and then she's in an industry that's completely focused on how you look and how much you weigh and you know how you present yourself it's coming at her from all angles she didn't and her, the her mom no, not at all. And not only is her mom doing it with her, this calorie restriction, because because they're best friends, they do everything together, but she's literally teaching her how to be anorexic. Yeah. And and Jeanette sees it as another way to, to make her even happier because she's like, okay, we're on a 1,000 calorie diet. But then if I eat even less than a thousand calories, my mom's going to be so proud of me because I'm doing even better. I'm I'm doing even better at the calorie restriction than she even taught me to.
1: Yeah, it's
0: people start to notice. The doctor notices someone from her dance class notices and, and she's it gets so, swept under the rug. She's literally,
1: what, 11 years old and 11. she's stressed about the weight that's on the scale. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't speak volumes
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> about our society and not just about her mom, about our society, about the pressure, about all of this, because it's not just about her mom. it It is because acting is all her mom cares about, but that acting world is what's putting pressure on her because she does look younger than her age and she needs to look as young as possible for as long as possible so that she can book these Jobs as a younger girl. She's in a booster seat until she's like 14 years old.
1: I know. Like she is tiny. And just even to backtrack to the doctor situation, her mom recognizes that what she's doing is inappropriate because the doctor addresses Jeanette's Mm -hmm. weight and says, you know, she needs to eat more. And do you see what's going on? And her mom is acting like, oh no, I'll definitely fix it. You know, I don't understand what's happening yada 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 but she damn well knows what she's doing so she's purposely putting her child in harm's way and And Jeanette hears that
0: yeah and she's like what do you what is she saying like she knows exactly what I'm eating Mm -hmm. because she's the one telling me what to eat like Jeanette still yeah she still cannot fathom that her mom knows that she's doing something wrong because Mm -hmm. to her there's nothing wrong like this is it's getting the results that she wanted, so it's right. Exactly. And then another form of abuse that we learn about, her mom helps her shower until she's 16 years old and performs exams on her entire body, including her vagina and her boobs. And just, we we don't know why. We never find out why. She says that she's doing it to check for lumps and make sure that she doesn't get cancer. Okay, Yeah. And the worst part is that Jeanette knows that it feels wrong and she dreads it. She dreads every time that she has to take a shower, but she doesn't actually think that her mother would do anything to harm her. So she just thinks it's one of the many eccentric things that her mom does. And she just has to deal with it.
1: And on top of that, she still bathes with her
0: brother. Who is a lot older than her.
1: And the brother also feels awkward about that, and again, why is the mom still washing the brother who's older than Jeanette? And uh, you know, obviously, as kids, children take baths together. That's, That's perfectly normal. It's it's how people, are, yeah, just how how it is. But when you're when you have your teenage daughter showering with your older teenage son and exposing mm-hmm.
0: them to just it's just it's so inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. And they don't have outside influence. They're homeschooled. The only people they know are people in the church, and they've stopped going to church by this time. Like by the time that Jeanette starts booking acting jobs, they've pretty much completely stopped going to church. So they're not seeing anyone else.
1: No, and I I don't. I think that it's healthy to discuss, obviously, with your children the difference between women and and men body parts, but right. there comes a point where it just becomes wildly inappropriate to mm-hmm. allow your children to to bathe together when they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. Once you hit a certain age, you should be independent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The whole point of growing up and becoming a teenager is becoming independent and finding who you are, and her mother's mm-hmm. stilting all her children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for what purpose? Know, for
1: for control. What pr- what is, it's for control. What
0: is, yeah.
1: It's just it is. she wants full control over everything, especially Jeanette, and
0: for them to rely on her completely. But,
1: but what's fucked up is just the fact that she's washing her daughter's hair still as a teenager, and of course, basically molesting her every shower. Yeah. Like there's no mm-hmm. there's no need for that, and mm-hmm. there's no there's no one. Jeanette doesn't know it's wrong because again, like you said. She her mom would do no wrong to her. Mm -hmm. her And she's a
0: kid. Kids who are being molested don't understand what's going on. No. This person who they're supposed to trust shouldn't be doing that to them.
1: And she she's sheltered. She doesn't know the difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So after this, she books iCarly, which gets super popular. But it also amplifies her anxiety because she starts meeting and interacting with strangers. She's getting recognized. This is when she first starts to really acknowledge that she resents her mom, but it makes her feel so guilty. And she explains it as a fear that she might actually resent her mother. So she says, the person I have lived for, my idol, my role model, my one true love, she goes on to say, fame has put a wedge between mom and me that I didn't think was possible. She wanted this and I wanted her to have it. I wanted her to be happy. And now that I have it, I realize that she's happy and I'm not. Her happiness came at the cost of mine. I feel robbed and exploited.
1: <laughs> was it before or during iCarly when she's in the car with her mom and she tells her that she no longer wants to act anymore and her mom literally threatens to drive them off the road more or less so
0: yeah, i think that was before icarly
1: so you have again this young girl adoles- adolescent years she mm-hmm. decides that this is not the life that she wants this is no this acting no longer interests her and she tells her mom this and her mom's reaction is basically like she's personally attacking her oh, and how absolutely. dare you now you're making me cry. I can't see. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into an accident. And then it's so funny because then after Jeanette's like, I'm just kidding, mom. I still want to be an actress. And her mom stops crying immediately. And Jeanette's like, guess I'm not the only actress in the family.
0: Mm-hmm. Guess I'm not the only one who can cry on command.
1: So it's just, yep. you know, it's obviously she she recognizes the toxic behavior in her mom, but she can't get herself to accept them. Yeah,
0: And she can't fully explain it, obviously, at that age, because she doesn't even understand, like you said, what a relationship between a mother and daughter should look like, and really what any types of relationships should look like. I mean, she's thrust into this life, and now she books this show, which gets super popular, and she's stuck doing something that she doesn't even want to do. But then she just looks at the positives of it like, oh, but mom is happy and we're making money for once. And even though she's not making very much money, they're still not having to struggle as much as they were. And it's have you ever watched iCarly?
1: I have not. I wasn't really big on the Nickelodeon shows when around that time.
0: Yeah, it was kind of I late think for my, us. I know. I want to
1: say my because my sister's 10 years younger than me. So I'm pretty sure she watched iCarly, or at least. Yeah. I've definitely seen a few episodes. I know I've seen an episode here and there, but I couldn't tell you yeah. what happened. But I, I know who the actors are, and I know the premise of the show. But I, yeah. I never really, really, really watched it.
0: Yeah. Uh, same with me. I think we were too old for it. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes because I liked Miranda Cosgrove. Because she had mm-hmm. been on Drake and Josh. Oh, but yeah. it's so ironic how Sam, Jeanette's character, was obsessed with food. She's always eating. Yeah. She's always eating fried chicken. She's he- hitting people with a sock filled with butter. Like, it adds this whole layer of fucked up that she doesn't even get into in the book. But it's there. Yeah, And that's something that she's living every day while she's working, doing this job that she doesn't like. And seeing all, it's just the irony is, is gross, and I don't know. No, anyway,
1: yeah, I just it's I remember her touching that, touching on that in the book. How she says this character of hers is eating all the time, mm-hmm. and she's more or less not eating at all.
0: So yeah, it's... she's she's allowed to eat a little bit more once she's on iCarly because the cast is provided with food, and her mom thinks that it would look weird if she wasn't eating when everyone else is and her mom is there all the time for all her auditions for all of her tapings for they're barely ever apart and she's the only mom who is because she plays the cancer card
1: i was just gonna bring that up i was just gonna say i think one of the things i hated the most about her mom is that she constantly
0: plays the cancer card 100 percent oh, I, we have to park in this lot because I had cancer. And oh, I can't go sit in the car because I had cancer. And yeah. oh, I might die tomorrow. So I should be able to watch her. And like, she's doing it in a completely manipulative and disgusting way.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. There's no boundaries. So,
0: no, not none at all. They're They're never apart. They're mm-hmm. best friends. They're inseparable. So this book isn't only about her mother. There's a lot of talk about the industry and how the industry affects Jeanette affects Jeanette. And they talk about a man who Jeanette only refers to as the creator, who we now know is Dan Schneider. Yeah. And Jeanette herself has seen him be emotionally abusive, flipping on a dime from charming to intensely angry. He uses words to manipulate people And he basically promises Jeanette that if she sticks with iCarly and does everything he says, he'll eventually give her her own show. Uh, She talks about a couple things specifically he did to her, like forcing her to drink alcohol, comparing her to his other actors, and inappropriately massaging her, which you have to wonder if this is the extent of what really happened or if this is what she's willing to say. I think it was just kind of to say, like, Yes, this happened. Yes, I suffered from his abuse. And yes, this is all part of the trauma of being a child star.
1: Yeah, and I think I wouldn't, not that we know her true story about it, but because she's so sheltered, too, and her mom is always around, it probably is hard for him to be as abusive to her as he could be to other people. That's true. But in general, if (laughs) the amount of abuse that this dude did to all these young child stars... Is mm-hmm. obviously fucking disgusting, but mm-hmm. it's clearly messed with the mental health of so many of them.
0: One thousand percent.
1: Amanda Bynes and mm-hmm. her current issues mm-hmm. lately. So this dude and this dude had a heavy hand in her life. She was on so many mm-hmm. shows. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I don't even want to. I yeah. Actually, I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to think about it because yeah. it's it's heartbreaking. It's devastating.
0: So she says. The creator was very clear that his offer had a contingent, me listening to him, taking his advice, and letting him guide me. And even though a part of me appreciates the creator, a part of me is scared of him, and the idea that I'll have to do everything he wants is intimidating to me. So that's, that's fucking scary. This is the person who holds your future in his hand, and There's you have seen him- A pedophile. <gasps> Exactly. And you've seen him screaming at people, you've seen him assaulting people, and you know that you are completely under his thumb. He's completely manipulating the mom because all she had to hear was getting your own show. And she's like, oh my god, you have to do everything he says. So toxic, so horrible. We will get back to him in a little bit, because there's a little more about him. So then Jeanette starts a country music tour, which, did you know this?
1: No, and this was like a monkey wrench into the story and i was kind of shook for a minute
0: yeah like the only reason i'm even bringing it up is because so she her mom starts to get sick again and Jeanette goes on tour and this is the first time that she's ever away from her mom yeah and she has a sense of freedom for the first time in her entire life and it's also when she discovers binge eating
1: yeah
0: and she realizes that she's never felt full in her whole life. And she just gorges herself. She gains a bunch of weight. And she's so terrified to come back from tour and see her mom. And the first fucking thing out of her mom's mouth, looking a little chubby. You gained some weight, Jeanette. Horrible. It's, she knew exact she it's knew horrible. her that well. Yeah. She knew exactly what she was gonna say. And
1: it's ugh. it's so disgusting that women have to feel bad about gaining weight. And that mm-hmm. we need to feel like we're not worthy enough if we're not a certain weight, and we don't look mm-hmm. a certain way, and it shouldn't, and that we have to worry about the opinions of others. And that shouldn't be mm-hmm. a thing. I mean, it's always going to be a thing because it's it's you can't change people. It's just well, how it's, it's also
0: be. her health. Like, yeah, when she was binge eating, she was eating candy and and junk food and all this stuff because she'd never been taught how to eat.
1: Oh, so to fuel her you, body so exactly it's how can you expect someone to not gorge themselves on this wonderful mm-hmm. delicious food that they never experienced before that they never like had as yep. a kid because a kid is when you're supposed to enjoy this stuff
0: exactly a kid is when you try it has, all this. it has nothing to do with the fact that she should only be eating healthy it's just the fact that she should be balancing out just like anyone should be mm-hmm. be balancing out what you're eating so that you can stay healthy like this is yeah, this is not healthy for a kid who's no. supposed to be developing.
1: Because you can be a little overweight and still be healthy. There's 100%. And it's just her her mom is obviously just hellbent on you can only eat this many calories and it has to be, you know, this kind of food, otherwise mm-hmm. there's no point.
0: Yeah, and it's just showing that this mindset with the food is not only not going away, but it's amplifying, it's getting worse, yeah. it's it's progressing. Oh
1: my god, yes.
0: So when she's back from her music tour, I still think it's so weird, uh, she's back to iCarly. She finally gets her own apartment since her mom is sick and she can't really drive her back and forth, but her mom immediately moves in. This- Immediately.
1: This- oh my god, this entire fucking part angered me so much. Her mom was- Jeanette was so excited she was so excited I'm finally going to be on my own I'm an adult I have my you know or whatever how old she is she's
0: 18 she's 18 dude
1: she's like I have my own apartment I get to live on my own freedom it's going to be great and then all of a sudden her mom just becomes her roommate her mom just comes to like her mom comes to move her in and just never fucking leaves never leaves and I just can't deal with that i cannot yeah. deal that this this woman has the audacity
0: to Auda- literally the audacity
1: doing this to her daughter your daughter can't is becoming a, a minute woman. of space yep no because her mom can't be that far away from her like i just I don't know. I, it's like, like, get a fucking life. She's like a helicopter mom. She just can't let this kid go.
0: I do want to say that throughout all of this, Jeanette and Miranda Cosgrove have this really pure and adorable friendship. And Jeanette kind of acknowledges how usually it's so, like, competitive and catty for girls in the acting space. But they never had that. And Miranda's kind of like a crutch for her throughout all of this. I
1: agree. I think that if she didn't have Miranda, she would be way worse than what she was or mm-hmm. would be today. Because I'm it was Miranda was the one that was able to kind of open her eyes to the things that mm-hmm. she couldn't see because of her mom and it was a it was a well, I know that they're like not really friends anymore. Not for any reason specifically. They're just they grow apart. You know, you grow apart as you grow older. But she had a real friendship for the first time in her life and it was with someone who actually like cared about her in a way that wasn't toxic and it was like took her pressure first, off her yeah it was like her first non-toxic relationship in her life where mm-hmm. it wasn't con- this person was not controlling her this person was letting her be who she wanted to be
0: this person didn't want anything from her no just simply wanted a friendship and it was kind of a little bit of escapism they would yeah. be they would just drive around listen to music have sleepovers and you know she wasn't expecting anything from her she was just being a friend and it's it is so rare to hear of that especially them working so closely together and the age that they're at and the industry they're in so i just think that that's like just a real positive
1: it is out of this you whole would, situation you would think that they are two female leads on a show and you would think that the show would try to pit them against each other because that's typically what what the male creators were doing because I remember on One Tree Hill, he was trying to get all of them
0: to hate each
1: other. And clearly they didn't. But I think that that's just the M.O. for those shows is to get the female characters to not like each other, which I know when Mm -hmm. she says when she goes and does the show with Ariana Grande, she didn't like her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. Okay, so Jeanette finally gets a boyfriend when she's 18 years old, and he is 13 years older than her. She doesn't use his real name. I know his real name, but he's a writer on iCarly. So she meets him on the set of the show, and he pressures her sexually, and their relationship is just so toxic sounding. She's paying off all his debts. He drinks all the time. They fight all the time and this is her first boyfriend and he's clearly taking advantage of how young and inexperienced she is yeah and it's just why like i mean she doesn't know what a relationship is supposed to look like look at the example that she has between her parents but the fact that he stayed with her is so predatory and just gross
1: well men are just gross it's just a well known fact
0: (laughs) But I, you, yes, can't even,
1: you can't even fault her for this because how no. else is she supposed to know?
0: She has no she, idea. She has no example.
1: You know, and like you said, the pressure with the sexual, inter, you know, doing anything that was sexual. And it's, mm-hmm. was this a guy that forced her to give, give
0: him a blowjob? Yeah.
1: You know, and you clearly know and that she this, had
0: no idea what was happening. Here's the
1: th- exactly. And Here, here's my issue with this. You're preying on a young girl. Who is very inexperienced? Mm-hmm. You should be able to tell prior to it that she has no idea what anything is, doesn't mm-hmm. know what she's doing, and you're just gonna fucking ejaculate into her mouth and without mm-hmm. any warning and not explain to her what's happening. And that this just poor young girl just has to deal with that. Like it's just fucking
0: disgusting. It's disgusting, disgusting, and like, oh, I, I just can't. I I can't talk about him because if I ever saw this man, i would punch him in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were together a year yeah. when her mom finally found finds out by seeing a photo on TMZ, which I'm surprised it took a year for a photo to show up on TMZ. But I'm going to read the email that Jeanette received mm-hmm. from her mom when she found out. Dear Nett, I'm so disappointed in you. You used to be my perfect little angel, but now you are nothing more than a little slut, a floozy, all used up. And to think you wasted it on that hideous ogre of a man. I saw the pictures on a website called TMZ. I saw you in Hawaii with him. I saw you rubbing his disgusting, hairy stomach. I knew you were lying about Colton. Add that to the list of things you are. Liar, conniving, evil. You look pudgier, too. It's clear you're eating your guilt. Thinking of you with his ding-dong inside of you makes me sick. Sick. I raised you better than this. What happened to my good little girl? Where did she go? And who is this monster that has replaced her? You're an ugly monster now. I told your brothers about you and they all said they disown you just like I do. We want nothing to do with you. Love, mom. Or should I say Deb, since I am no longer your mother. P.S. Send money for a new fridge. Ours broke.
1: So... Did you see the TikTok video of this where she read that on email on an interview with Jada Pinkett Smith and Willow Smith? And there was another one there. And their reactions were spot on. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. to know that your mother could write something like that to you and have, again, the audacity to be like, also, we need money because. Yeah. P.S.
0: This entire time, Jeanette is supporting and helping her family financially despite not making huge amounts of money despite paying off her shitty boyfriend's gambling debts despite paying for i'm sure everything that they're doing together and you're gonna say i disown you send money for a new fridge well that's
1: what's funny it's like how can you disown somebody and then expect them to still financially support you it's just it's i mean it's funny it's not funny but it's funny
0: yeah it's funny now but imagine already just the the toxic relationship and the trauma that it's having on Jeanette. And then the one person in her life who she knows is like, she has to walk on eggshells with and she opens up this email and has to see like, oh, it's just, it's so disgusting that a mother could talk to their child like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And still expect something from them.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's wild. There's no... Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no there's no rationalizing dangerous. it yeah it, it's just her yeah. mom is this horrible fucking human being and she wants things her way and she thinks that she is the almighty and she can speak to people however she wants with no repercussions and still get what she mm-hmm. wants that's just and unfortunately she's kind of molded Jeanette to to be that for her so she's right
0: she's absolutely right because the first thing Jeanette does is want to fix things mm-hmm. so around this time jeanette's mom's health really takes a turn for the worse a surgery that was supposed to be pretty easy takes a turn and she falls into a coma and that's where we get our prologue mm-hmm. but this isn't actually the end she no, comes out of the nine. coma this bitch, has, this bitch has nine lives.
1: lives oh my god
0: <laughs> you like cats heather um, this bitch has cats. nine lives <laughs> So she just comes out of her coma asking for ginger ale and lives to see more days. Mm -hmm. But it's around this time that, my God, poor Jeanette, she discovers alcohol for the first time. She says, I can't believe I've waited so long to get drunk. When I'm drunk, all of my worries disappear. Hating my body, the shame I feel about my eating habits, coping with my dying mother, starring in a show I'm humiliated to be a part of. It all just goes away. When I'm drunk, I'm less anxious, less inhibited, less worried about what mom wants or thinks of me. In fact, when I'm drunk, the voice of mom judging me evaporates completely. And this is so relatable. In, I mean, this is the reason why so many people drink—not just alcoholics, people in oh, general. Yeah. Oh, listen, it rids you I'm... of your inhibitions.
1: I am it... poster <laughs> child for socially binge drinking because it makes you feel. It makes you feel like a whole nother person. Mm
0: -hmm. It It gets rid of of that judgment. It gets rid of your inhibitions. You're not scared of what people are thinking. It's freeing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she already has this severely deteriorating mental health, and then you add alcohol as a solution on top of that, of course, it's going to be the next crutch that she clings to. Who doesn't want to have that feeling of not being judged when she feels judged? every second of every day of her entire life. So her new show, her show that was supposed to be her own show, but actually isn't, Sam and Cat, isn't going well. Jeanette hates it and hates Ariana Grande. (laughs) Mostly out of jealousy. And I know that like after the book came out, she got dragged a lot and everyone's like, oh my God, she hates Ariana and there's this big feud and blah, blah. It really wasn't like that. It was mostly just that Jeanette was upset with this show that she didn't even want to fucking be on. And Ariana keeps having to leave work to go perform and to go do this, you know, tour and record this or whatever. And when the show is ending or the show ends up getting canceled, Ariana's on to bigger and better things. And Jeanette just feels stuck and resentful because Mm -hmm. she's always going to be known for her preteen and teenage self. And we've talked about this a lot, but that's what most child stars go through. Yeah. They're stuck in this mold.
1: Yeah, they are. And it's also hard for her, too, because she sees clearly Ariana Grande getting special treatment. Mm -hmm. That's not afforded to her. She was supposed to be, what, a director on on the last episode, and they Mm promised her this and then they basically were like no we we couldn't so it's just like she feels you know it's she's kind of in a shitty position she's doing something Mm -hmm. she hates Mm -hmm. she's not getting the recognition that she wants and it's no wonder she turns to the addictions that she does because she's clearly very unhappy
0: and all she wants to do is escape so towards the end of salmon cat this is where The creator comes back. He's under investigation for emotional abuse, among many other things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They try. Okay. Yeah. They
0: try to pay Jeanette $300,000 to never talk about her experience, which she refuses.
1: I, which I think
0: 1000%. And I think it's so unexpected of her at that time because she did not have her own voice at all when it came to her acting career but in her mind she still knows this is wrong and if i'm even if i'm not going to be the one to bring it to light i'm not going to agree and i'm not going to take your hush money
1: yeah like
0: she knows that that feels wrong and i'm that was just i was so impressed with that like even even how hard she was struggling and even as badly as she wanted to get out and she's like afterwards she's like wait 300k is a lot of money, like, shit. Did I just make a mistake? But she she does the right thing.
1: She does. She's, for the first time, like you said, she's kind of standing up for herself. Mm-hmm. And she's not allowing someone else to take control over her life for once.
0: Mm-hmm. So Dan Schneider obviously has an insane amount of successful shows under his belt. All that, The Amanda Show, What I Like About You, Drake and Josh, Zoe 101 iCarly, Carly, Victoria, Sam and Cat, And then there's a couple that came after that that I don't really know about. Uh, some of these I think we were too old for. But what was your favorite show that he created? All that. I was <sighs> loved obsessed all that. with all that. I loved the Amanda show also. And the,
1: no, that was definitely like a, the second one that I watched all the time. Mm-hmm. But I just really loved all that.
0: Oh, so good. So, so good. Mm-hmm. And drake and josh i was really into because i was obsessed with drake which i know is bad now but considering
1: that he went missing in daytona beach for like three hours the other day and then he was miraculously found i don't know it was weird
0: did you see and he also was under investigation for listen oh my god no the stuff with underage girls but yes he went missing like how long was he missing
1: that someone cared eric was like why is he in daytona beach during spring break he's a predator." And I'm like, that's why he's in Daytona Beach. I'm saying break. <laughs>
0: Literally <laughs> that's why. Well, that was I saw that and I was like, What do you mean he's missing? Like I know.
1: I was like How'd was you like, lose him? I got like an email from People News. It was like breaking news, Drake Josh is is reported missing in Daytona Beach. And then like three hours later, Drake Josh has been found. He is no longer endangered. And I'm like, What the f-? Okay. I'm like, all right, clearly I, I don't journalism know. Journalism is thought, just on one. Yeah, I th- but, I thought we
0: had heard the last of him, but I no, guess, but I I guess I, not. But I
1: definitely watched Drake and Josh. Same thing. I thought Drake was, was cute, obviously. Mm-hmm. I It wasn't my favorite, but I watched it.
0: I would say all that in the Amanda show were definitely, definitely my favorites. Okay, so <laughs> mom finally dies.
1: Celebrity
0: Yay. Show. Confetti. Confetti in an urn. And we enter the after phase where Jeanette discovers... Bulimia. She finally feels like she has control over her weight between the highs and lows of anorexia and binging, but that control slowly slips away the worse her bulimia gets. She says, This is so fucked. Anorexia is regal, in control, all powerful. Bulimia is out of control, chaotic, pathetic. She has this mindset that anorexia showed she was in control because she could restrict what she was putting in her body, but now that yeah. she has these huge binges where she gorges herself and then purges, she feels that out of controlness and she feels the effect that it's having on her body. And now she's instead of, you know, anorexia was like this answer to all of her problems. And now bulimia is bringing so much shame and so much guilt. And she can't make herself stop.
1: Mm-mm. She can't. And it's hard luckily i've never experienced bulimia but i i i know somebody who has and it's i can't imagine going through that
0: yeah it's 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 so
1: hard the fact that you think that you need to purge your body of the nutrients that you're putting into it it's just Mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking you know
0: and just think about like how awful you feel Mm -hmm. after you throw up and like feeling that you need to do that
1: i hate throwing up after a hangover (laughs)
0: Oh yeah, I could
1: never imagine doing it every day of my life, multiple yeah. times throughout the day.
0: And that being your sense of control. Yes. Like that's, oh yeah. my God. And it, I mean, it gets have I thought about so it worse.
1: when you're like a kid, when you're, I mean, you're a young teenager and you're impressionable and you're larger than most girls and you want to be skinny? Have I thought about doing it? Yeah, but I never did because yeah. I was able to stop myself from doing it. But a lot of people don't have the ability to not do it they have. Mm-hmm.
0: And she really didn't have a choice. I mean, this relationship with food and her body that started so young, and then all of these horrible things just keep mm-hmm. happening. It was basically inevitable.
1: Yeah. And now she has and it's just, again, it's just so heartbreaking, because she's bulimic. She's an alcoholic. She just has all these addictions. and mm-hmm. it's And she has no one to help her.
0: So she falls in love with a guy who's a directing assistant on this random Netflix, but not really Netflix show that she's doing, and he gives her an ultimatum about her bulimia. So she decides that she wants to start therapy, and at first it's going okay. And then her therapist starts bringing up her childhood and her mom being abusive by teaching her anorexia. Yeah, and Jeanette immediately quits therapy. She realizes her entire identity was defined by her relationship with her mother and she never really saw that before like she was so quick to defend any action of her mom's whether it was because she was sick or she just wanted Jeanette to have everything she couldn't have she never could have imagined that there was something fundamentally wrong with their relationship
1: no and she was instantly triggered when this therapist tried to bring up her childhood and Mm -hmm. how she was raised
0: because she's like, if that, if you're telling me that my best friend, that the person who shaped my entire identity was abusing me, then that means that I don't have an identity. And mm-hmm. then what do I do? And she's not ready to face that. And that's completely understandable. And this is her first time trying to seek help. Doesn't always stick the first time. No, you know? definitely
1: not. Especially when you have that much trauma and you've Mm -hmm. been that sheltered your entire life and being in your 20s is the first time that you try to seek help for lifelong issues
0: Mm -hmm. it's gonna take time
1: there's no way and
0: doesn't even have an inkling of what's causing these issues No, like she doesn't think it's her mom at all no so of course that's gonna gonna trigger her and gonna you know force her to close up and quit therapy so For every birthday since she was little, Jeanette has blown out the candles and wished for her mother to live another year. And on her first birthday after the death, she reflects on how lost she feels. She says, my entire life's purpose, keeping mom alive and happy, was for nothing. All those years I spent focusing on her, all the time I spent orienting my every thought and action toward what I thought would please her most were pointless because now she's gone. I tried desperately to understand and know my mother, what made her sad, what made her happy, and on and on, at the expense of ever really knowing myself. Without mom around, I don't know what I want, I don't know what I need, I don't know who I am, and I certainly don't know what to wish for. It's so heartbreaking. It is. Her identity was so entangled in her mother's view of her and what her mother wanted that now she's an empty shell. Mm -hmm. She feels like there there is no Jeanette
1: it's dark and sad mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. kind of see why she takes a comedic stance on mm-hmm. this kind of thing because how can you not how else are you supposed to reflect on it you know yeah
0: yeah so. and I mean we've talked about it a little bit but like I honestly never before reading this book could have imagined the extent of how bad her bulimia was. Uh-huh. She was purging several times a day. Five times a day. And once she started seeking help the second time, it was nearly unthinkable for her to go 24 hours without yeah. purging. She was losing teeth. She was throwing up blood. She was aching all the time. She felt shame constantly. I mean... It was
1: just so unhealthy and clearly taking a toll on her body.
0: Mm-hmm. And she... She felt her teeth falling out, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Wow, this is pretty bad. I that should was like the do something about this." Her.
1: Yeah, that was definitely like the 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 point in her life where she realized that she needed to take action. No matter mm-hmm. how small, she had to do something.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree, and I mean, understandable. Yeah. That's a big fucking deal. Just
1: losing a fucking molar.
0: Oh my god! Right before she's supposed to be on stage for some mm-hmm. Nickelodeon thing.
1: Yeah, in Australia.
0: So. The hits keep coming because right around then, Jeanette finds out that her dad isn't her biological father. Mm -hmm. And she's not even that upset about the fact that he's not her dad because she didn't really have a relationship with him. But she's so betrayed by her mom not telling her and her brothers because none of them are her dad's kids. And so she's really starting to question. I
1: thought the oldest was.
0: Uh, I don't know. I thought it was none of them, but I could be wrong Maybe on I'm that.
1: wrong. I thought I thought the oldest was his, but the rest weren't.
0: Either way, majority.
1: No, I'll do, nice. either way. It's fucked. It's fucked. Yeah. And it's and just... So... And it makes you, like, think of him in a totally new light. Because, like yep. I said, in the beginning of the book, Jeanette's mom is a total dick to this guy. And treats him like shit.
0: threatens like... him with a knife.
1: And then come to find out that he was still helping to financially raise three three or four whatever however many was children that were not his Mm -hmm. and while i understand that he was definitely an absent father and he had no interest in trying to be in his kid's life the fact that he still did the bare minimum of taking care of these children knowing they weren't his I gotta applaud him for that. I gotta give him some yeah. kind of fucking credit for
0: that. I agree. I agree. And, like, just going through all of that abuse and never telling the truth and keeping that secret for her, mm-hmm. I just, ugh, I feel awful for her. I mean, he is a victim in all of this, too. Oh, percent
1: Every single person in this book that lives in that household was a victim of her mom.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Except the grandma, because she was a little well
1: the grandma like went psycho after the mom died yeah and the way that she was speaking to jeanette like on the voicemails and like and in general i'm like no Mm -hmm. wonder why the mom was crazy the grandma's fucking crazy
0: exactly demanding her attention Mm -hmm. if she couldn't talk if she didn't answer she was betraying her just Mm -hmm. horrible so she's Really now starting to question, you know, her her true identity. She doesn't even know who her father is. She's questioning all her mom's motivations. She's been lied to for her entire life. And that's got to be so earth shattering. I, I can't even imagine that. And she's early 20s at this point. Yeah. So at 24, she decides to stop acting so that she can control her own life for once She starts with that new eating disorder specialist, and she makes serious progress. Mm -hmm. And finally, after over 13 years of battling various eating disorders, she's finally taking control of her mental health. She's on the road to recovery. She's coming to to terms with her mom's death and all the complications that come along with her grief. And instead of being a bulimic, she's exhibited exhibiting bulimic behaviors every once in a while that's how Mm -hmm. her her eating disorder specialist says it like she might still have slips but she's not regularly purging she's not falling down this rabbit hole she's really doing the work and fixing her relationship with food which is after 13 years that's more than half her life
1: I know. I like the quote that she had said, <clears throat> that her therapist had said, like, it's okay to have slips. Just don't let it slide.
0: Yep. Don't let those slips turn into slides. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's true with any addiction. That's Agreed. true with anything that you're working on. It, it makes so much sense. It's like a
1: really nice way to look at things.
0: Yes, because you can't beat yourself up for having a slip up because everyone's going to have a slip up. So I want to read the realization that Jeanette came to in her own words. Why do we romanticize the dead? Why can't we be honest about them, especially moms? They're the most romanticized of anyone. Maybe I feel this way now because I viewed my mom that way for so long. I had her up on a pedestal, and I know how detrimental that pedestal was to my well-being and life. My mom didn't deserve her pedestal. She was a narcissist. She refused to admit she had any problems, despite how destructive those problems were to our entire family. My mom emotionally, mentally, and physically abused me in ways that will forever impact me. When I was six years old, she pushed me into a career I didn't want. I'm grateful for the financial stability that career has provided me, but not much else. I was not equipped to handle the entertainment industry and all of its competitiveness, rejection, stakes, harsh realities, fame. I needed that time, those years to develop as a child, to form my identity, to grow. I can never get those years back.
1: I just think it's very – it just shows her strength as a human being mm-hmm. in being able to recognize all the trauma that she went through and growing from it and mm-hmm. allowing herself to grow from it instead of continuing the cycles of abuse
0: to mm-hmm. herself. And letting herself come to all these realizations after her mom isn't here to confront and yeah. being okay with being angry and – And, you know, having all of this resentment towards her mom when she's not here to face it.
1: Yeah. The loss of her mom is probably one of the best things that could have ever happened to her.
0: hundred percent. Because where would she be now? Who knows? And that's kind of where it leaves us. I mean, this is the epitome of the horrible things that happened to child stars. And luckily, Jeanette was able to come out on the other side, but... Every possible negative thing that could have happened happened. I mean, OCD, anorexia, binge eating, bulimia, alcoholism, social anxiety, codependency in relationships—like all of it. And in her mid twenties, she's finally seeking help and taking control of her mental health. And that's just with with no experience of what that looks like, with no roadmap of what that looks like. I. I applaud her a lot for writing this book. And so since the book came out and it was so well, well received, she's done a million interviews. Like she's really done a lot. Um, And she's expanded on some of the things her mother did to her. She's given more anecdotal evidence of the types of abuse. Um, We listened to the, her interview on armchair expert, which is Dax Shepard's podcast. Uh, This interview came out in September, 2022. So, She talks about this in the beginning and it comes up again later, but she had all this chaos in her life and so much to worry about for so long. And now that she doesn't have that, she craves it. So basically she's bored and she's looking for something to really put her on edge again. And I related to that so much. Obviously my experience is nowhere near as extreme as hers, but my therapist actually helped me realize that because I grew up in a chaotic and sometimes unsafe feeling household now i have the tendency to create chaos because mm-hmm. that's what i'm used to yeah. so whether that's getting worked up over something that's not a big deal or starting a fight over something stupid like i'm looking for that chaos because that's the only way that i know how to act that's the only way that i i know how to behave you know yeah and it was it was crazy to hear that that's It's a a universal thing when you grow up in, in a household that isn't necessarily, you know, safe feeling. And once you realize it and acknowledge it, you notice it so much more and you realize I'm doing this for no reason, or I need to take a step back. I need to take a moment, you know? Um, They also talk a little bit about her mom's past and how she suffered from abuse when she was younger. She obviously had an eating disorder her whole life, which is why she taught Jeanette. And she thought she really thought she was helping her by doing that. And Jeanette says that one of the hardest parts is seeing that her mom could have dealt with her own mental health and had the potential to be a good provider and a good mother. I mean, arguably, but she just didn't do it. In a way, she blamed other people. She relied on other people for unha- her unhappiness. She used to threaten to put the kids up for adoption yeah. if they misbehaved. Which, like, I know that's like a trope of, like, 90s parents. But coming from her, it just seems worse.
1: No, it, it definitely does. Because she's already emotionally abusing these, these children. So mm-hmm. it's, she doesn't need, she's. Doesn't need to constantly take it to these extremes.
0: Exactly. And Jeanette also mm. says that in a way it was kind of like a Munchausen situation, which I, I do agree with. Like, even though Jeanette's mom was actually sick,
1: yeah, she
0: used it to manipulate people all the time, to get special privileges, to keep the family under her thumb, to get sympathy, like all of this. And, I mean, just add it to the list of sicknesses that yeah,
1: I know. Jeanette's mom had. Uh-huh. I know, and then she had said um, like her therapist told her all the the things that her mom probably was that she was definitely yeah. a narcissist's personality. She probably had a borderline personality disorder, but she never never sought any kind of help for her mental health. So of course mm-hmm. none of these things were ever addressed. And it just goes to show if if you're able to actually get the help that you need I'm sure things would have been a thousand percent different. I'm not saying they would have been better or they would have been any different, but they would have been to be able to understand what you're going through mentally would Mm -hmm. have been better than what she was experiencing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's just sad that she couldn't take that accountability and she had to bring down everyone around her.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because she just couldn't. Face her own shit.
1: No, it was she knew what she wanted for Jeanette, and as soon as she had her eyes set on that, there was just no going back.
0: Mhm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole dynamic of family relationships, the way that they're so entwined with each other. That, you know, her chaos became everyone's chaos and her mental health issues became everyone's mental health issues. And if she was happy and positive, then everyone would have been happy and positive. And it's just especially in such a a close, close knit isn't really the right word, but I mean, they were such close quarters. They were yeah. living together. You know what I mean? Um, So we find out that once Jeanette started getting famous and getting recognized, her mom all of a sudden didn't like it. she started getting jealous of the fame at first she loved it but then once she realized oh wait we're two different people and that fame isn't reflecting directly on me she starts to get this resentment building up which in the book we read causes her to latch on and try to control Jeanette even more and what I liked most about this interview and some of Jeanette's other interviews after the book release is just how self-aware she's become. Like Mm -hmm. she recognizes that she's switched from one obsession to another. She talks about how it was eating disorders to romantic partners. And she recognizes that even though acting is not something she likes doing, she craves that hyper-stimulated feeling that it would put you know, like put her on edge. And she says that she could potentially go back to kind of chase that feeling if she felt safe enough and yes. if it was an appropriate opportunity.
1: Yeah. There's just like, she's not exactly closing the door on acting. Yeah. It's just kind of a jar right now with no really hopes of being open anytime soon, but eventually. Mm-hmm.
0: It- but it's like she's on the way to healing enough that that not necessarily is going to happen, but could possibly happen and I feel like when she was in the midst of all this like right after her mom died she never would have felt that way
1: no and her healing journey has been clearly eye opening for her and i'm it's it's amazing that she's able to to heal the way that she's healed already
0: i i can't even i can't even fathom like just the amount of stuff that she's overcome and that she can just talk about it so publicly and and so not profoundly but like she can just acknowledge it for what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's crazy cuz you think that sometimes your childhood was bad and then you hear other people's stories and you're just like yeah. oh no this, this yours was bad. I mean never not like, that oh. it's not that it's a tit for tat and that it's my right. my trauma's worse than your trauma cuz there's no there's no fucking such thing but it's just yeah. it's crazy that you think something that happened to you was monumental. And nothing could be worse. And then you hear someone else's personal story. And you're like, okay, yeah, mine was shitty, but it wasn't that shitty.
0: Mm-hmm. And the fact of like looking at someone and never being able to fathom what they were going through. No. Like you see her on this TV show. Who the hell would ever imagine that this was going on behind the scenes? A
1: lot of people are really great at wearing masks and hiding mm-hmm. what's really going on behind closed doors. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, you kind of have to.
0: She was clearly a good actress.
1: <laughs> clearly.
0: <laughs> All right. So anything you want to add before we get to our strange rating system?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of crazy reading this knowing I'm going to be having a kid in a few months. Oh, yeah. I think reading this while pregnant is was super... It had a huge effect on me because you listen to this poor girl's story about what she went through as a kid and you just now as a soon-to-be mother, I can't fathom doing that, Mm -hmm. what she did to her kid. I mean, everyone's different, obviously, and it's you never know what kind of parent you're actually going to be, but my heart just broke for her because Mm -hmm. no kid should ever go through what she went through like it just absolutely there's no valid reason for any of it and i think that reading this book was it just it was wild i was like Mm -hmm. my heart just broke for her the entire time Mm -hmm. i read it now that i like am reading it's just it's crazy my whole perception has shifted on so many things now that i'm since
0: you got pregnant Yeah. yeah
1: I'll read stories now that have to do with, like, things happening to kids. And my reaction now, how I feel, is completely different than it was a year ago. Yeah. It's actually mm-hmm. wild. And I just think that to see her now be the woman that she is, knowing what she went mm-hmm. through, it's 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 amazing. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. It's awe-inspiring. She's literally, like, a queen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you are privileged enough to know about mental health and to know about how important it is and to recognize that you know when your daughter grows up that's going to be something that you know if they need help with and they need someone to talk to and they you know struggle with depression which we have experience with that there are steps to fix it not to bury it
1: no me and my husband have already talked about it that we're that mental health is going to be an open discussion at any time
0: so just to confirm you are not going to sign her up for acting classes
1: no i don't think eric would let me <laughs> i joke around i say what if like she wants to go on the bachelor one day and eric's like no Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, that's that's a no for me that's a no from me
1: no. Uh, yeah. no i mean if she wants to obviously i mean i used to i one of my biggest regrets from high school is not doing theater because I was just too oh, shy. Theater
0: can be really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I really, really wish that I did theater and improv in high school. And I just was too, I was just too shy. I was kind of, I, I myself was sheltered. Mm-hmm. And so, and I I was going through my own self-esteem issues. And so I just, my, my, my goal as a parent is to build this kid up to think that she's like the best and she can do whatever she wants and she shouldn't feel scared to do it. Because I didn't mm-hmm. have that
0: growing up yeah you got to have that confidence and that's what a lot of these things can can bring out you know and if they don't like it then they don't have to fucking do it that's the point
1: that's you're allowed Mm -hmm. you should be able to try whatever you want that interests you and if it's not Mm -hmm. for you it's not for you there's nothing wrong with that
0: exactly i tried a bunch of different instruments turns out i'm not good at them not good at sports either Whatever. Okay. I'm good at reading books. Thank you. That's great. And that is amazing. That's literally- <laughs> That's why we're that here. you
1: smarter than most people. So there you
0: go. Okay. So I felt a little weird rating this one just because it's such personal and disturbing material, but I think we can rate it based on how it made us feel. Like we mm-hmm. talk about every episode. So I do have a rating scale and no, 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 no. I did okay. not do my usual dark humor. So- okay. Sorry to anyone who's missing it. You're welcome to anyone with a soul. I gave the rating scale butter socks, a.k.a. socks filled with butter.
1: That's that's a good good rating system.
0: See, that's a pure rating system. I mean, not really because, you know, like she couldn't eat butter, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I gave this four and a half butter socks. I thought it was raw and devastating but I just relate to her so fucking much with her dark sense of humor and her sarcasm and just the way that she processes all of this horror and that she's seen herself to the other side like that's how I process I'm sarcastic I'm dark like I just found it really relatable and it was an, an easy read it was so brave of her I think it's amazing I wish we got a little bit more of her after Mm -hmm. coming to these realizations and more of her kind of success and taking her life back. But I think she has done that with like the, the interviews and experiences after the book. I just wish we got a little bit more in the actual book.
1: I agree with that. I kind of wish that there was more touched on about her experience with realizing the trauma that her mom ensued on her.
0: Mhm. Yeah, instead of like a one-page realization.
1: Yeah. Which I mean, and that's, you know what, that's her own prerogative. She doesn't have to tell yeah. us everything. That's it's her it's her memoir. She can say what she wants to say and if she's not willing to share what that part of her life, like obviously that that's completely and totally fine. But I think mm-hmm. that that's why I gave it four stars is because I was kind of waiting for I wanted there was you're almost left hanging. Right. And I'm sorry not four right. stars. For Butter Socks so thank you thank you sorry my apologies and so i just it was great mm-hmm. it made me feel all the fucking feels that mm-hmm. were, it was the most traumatizing story you could ever read and i give her so much fucking credit to put the mm-hmm. to put something like that out into the world you know so i just but i, I do wish there was just a little bit more depth about yeah. her yeah. coming to terms to what her mom did to her
0: mm-hmm because you see how much she's grown, and it yeah. would have it would have been nice just for her to yeah. be able to express that. Also, I
1: agree, because she's doing so much for herself, and it's amazing. It's so amazing mm-hmm. to see, and she's, she's thirty. Listening. Yeah, she's. I think she's thirty like years year... old. Yeah, she, I think I read that too. She's like yeah, she's like a year or two younger than us, or she's a year younger than you.
0: Yeah, yeah, she was born in ninety two. Two yeah. years younger than me, but I'm like, holy she's shit,
1: already come to the realization of what you went through at this young age is it's phenomenal
0: mm-hmm.
1: it takes mm-hmm. people decades to come to terms it takes people never coming to terms it and takes people fact,
0: on their deathbeds it's the still not that coming this, to terms that the,
1: that she was able to seek therapy and discover the help that she needed and now she is who she is today and she's obviously still Mm -hmm. growing and she's still experiencing what she went through but
0: and to be secure enough in her recovery that she can write this book have it come out have it be so popular do all these interviews and know that it's going to be triggering for her yeah and still she's doing still do it Mm -hmm. wow i appreciate her all right (laughs) anything else that we want to
1: add No, I think that as of right now, I have spoken all I needed to speak.
0: I think that was thoroughly depressing, but also (laughs) worth the read. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform. It'll really help us out a lot. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on social media, TikTok and Instagram at Fully Booked Calf Pod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember,
1: if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.